This is Wednesday night, prayer meeting, April the 6th, 2022. Reverend Mac Perry bringing the message tonight, the trial of Jesus. Here's Brother Mac. We're uh, studying uh, in the book of John, chapter 18. Tonight we'll be uh, continuing in 25 through 28. And uh, it's continuing with the trial of Jesus. And also John is moving us back and forth from out in the courtyard back into the church and there's uh, several things going at, uh, on at the same time. And also I found it interesting that Luke and Matthew also, when you go back and check their uh, thoughts on what was going on that night, and I, I believe that it was based on what Peter and John and what their discussion was after this trial, they learned a lot. And uh, I, I understand uh, you know, the way Luke describes what uh, happened to Peter in the courtroom when Jesus looked at him when the crows uh, crowed three times is, is, uh, is a wonderful thing that happened. And I want to talk to us about that a little bit tonight. But first of all, let's read the scriptures. And uh, then we'll do a little review of uh, last week to kind of lead us into where we're at this week. So looking, first of all, at uh, verse 25. And Simon Peter stood and warmed himself. So he's out in the courtyard with the soldiers and some others and out around the fire. And they said, therefore, to him, art thou also one of his disciples? He denied it and said, I am not. Remembering from last, uh, we'll talk about it in a few minutes. He at the gate, he told the young lady at the gate, I am not. So this is the second Denial, the second denial, the second time he said, I am not. So let's look at verse 26. One of the servants of the high priest, being his kinsman, whose ear Peter cut off, remember, when they were in the Garden of Gethsemane, Peter cut an ear, and then uh, he, uh, uh, Jesus healed the ear, put it back on, um, saith, Did not I see thee in the garden with him? And Peter then denied again and immediately the crow uh, the, the cock crowed uh, and the, so the rooster crowed just like Jesus prophesied we'll talk about that and in verse 28 then led they Jesus from Calipus into the hall of judgment and it was early and they themselves went not into the judgment hall so talking about early in the morning the sun is rising now went not into the judgment hall, lest they should be defiled, but that they might eat at the Passover. I'll explain what that means also when we get there. So let's do a quick review um, of last week, verses 29 through 21. I mentioned to you last week, the high priest began to, Calipus began to uh, question Jesus, and Jesus said, you know, everything that I've been saying to you was out in the open. People, there's witness that, you know, know what I said. I said nothing that was in secret. Everything I said, everybody knows. So why are you treating me this way? Why are you treating me like a criminal, basically saying? So he's saying, question those who have been listening to me, as the scriptures tell us. They know what I have said. And all of my teachings have been the truth, is what Jesus was saying in the, in the scriptures. And then as we move on to verse like verse 22, the official struck Jesus in the back of the head, which was an illegal strike, as I mentioned last week. And then in verse 23, 
Jesus says, if I've lied, prove it. In other words, bring someone to testify that I've done something wrong. And they did not. Uh, so a lot of what they were doing was illegal and contrary to the Mosaic law at the time. So they, they, were, they were the ones that were the lawbreakers. Uh, they had no witnesses at the trial. Uh, that they couldn't prove that he'd done anything evil. Uh, they didn't give him nobody to defend him. The trial was obviously a mockery. And also the trial didn't, you know, their, their law said it couldn't begin in a day and end in a day, but it did. Um, so many things they did that day was just a pure mockery of the ones uh, mocking their own laws. They were breaking their own laws, as I said last week. And you know, there was other things that uh, happened that night that was uh, illegal also. But also, what were they accusing Jesus of? I explained last week. Two things, which is very important, because when you lead into when he took them and put them before the governor, that ain't what they accused him of. I want us to take note of that tonight. First, they said that Jesus was falsely, uh, you know, claiming that he was the Messiah, but we know that he was. And also they were saying that um, he was claiming to be the Son of God, which we know he was. But they were saying that he was falsely doing this. So basically, they accused him of blaspheming. Blaspheming. I don't think I used that word this week, but it came into my heart this uh, last week, but it did come into my heart this week. Basically, what they were accusing him of is, is blaspheming. So the religious leaders, as I mentioned, one of the, some of the things that I thought about as I taught last week is, you know, they were the ones that were the smartest to train. They knew the Old Testament, yet they knew the laws, but yet they were breaking laws. But yet, according to the Jewish laws and, and Jewish prophecies, everything that was said in the uh, prophecy part about the Messiah was fitting exactly who Jesus was and what he did. For example, they're the ones that were teaching this. And the very first one that came to mind was in Micah 5 and 2. The Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. We know that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Could have been easily proven. Also in Isaiah 7, 14. Uh, you know, some of this I thought is amazing that some of this was mentioned again Sunday night uh, by Matt in his scriptures and in his uh, teachings uh, about how, uh, you know, everything Jesus did was validated. It could have been easily validated in that court. Isaiah 7:14 that his mother was a virgin. That could have been easily uh, validated by the mother. In 2 Samuel 7 and 12, the Messiah was to be born in the house of David. He was. Mary was from the house of David, a, a, a part of the family. His mother was a descendant. Also, his stepfather was a, a descendant. Also in Malachi 3 and 1, the appearance of this Messiah was being preceded by forerunner. So you got the message. I'll stop there. But everything, and there's more. That it goes on and on in Zechariah and in Psalms and also in Isaiah. It can just continued uh, about all the prophecies. Even, uh, you know, uh, John the Baptist was prophesied and also validated. John testified who he was. Jesus testified who he was. So Calipus, you know, uh, developed a plot and a plan uh, to have him arrested and crucified. And it was for a simple, logical reason. And John tells us why. In John 11 and 48, he said to us in, in that scripture, if we, this is what Calipus said, if we let Jesus continue Everyone will believe in him, and then the Romans will take both away. They take away our uh, place in the nation and our power in the nation. And basically, what Calipus is saying is that they're going to take away my power. 
They're going to take away who I am. So, but Calibus didn't realize, the, the high priest didn't realize what he was doing exactly what God knew he would do. God knew that he would, you know, what he would do. And, and what he did is he actually set the, 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 uh, the, the history in place for the Romans to do exactly what they did 40 years later. They destroyed Jerusalem. They destroyed the temple brick by brick. So today the world, when I think about these eight facts and, or nine things that I told you last week, the, the facts are we have the New Testament. And I, want us to, I wanted to relate to how all these prophecies happened just like Jesus said they would. And then, and just like God said they would in His Word. And then, in the New Testament, we all have the uh, privilege and the honor of reading the Word, hearing the prophecies, knowing that Jesus Christ came down and did all the miracles. Uh, you know, there, there's a lot of facts that we need to understand. And, and uh, the world does not understand it. You know, the facts that Jesus did came. He, did re he was resurrected. He did send the Holy Spirit. He did die for us. And the only way into heaven, that's a fact. The only way into heaven. But the world don't believe that. They think by goodness that somehow or another, the way they live, they can get into heaven. That's a lie of the devil. The book of Revelation tells us clearly we're living in the end times. When you put all the facts and the history, even from the Old Testament all the way through the New Testament, all the prophecies are telling us we're living in the end times, the last days. It can be called a lot of things, but the facts are we're living just like God prophesied, and we need to be ready. We need to be ready. The harvest is ready. We need, God tells us in His Word that the importance of us praying and witnessing and going out and, and reaping the harvest. We should be building His church. We should be reaching the lost. And we should be living our lives. That's what He's telling us. But this whole world as a general is not. It's very important as we as Christians that we take that stance. We, you know, need the power of the Holy Spirit Spirit to help us, but we need that power to go out and help us go out and build His church to reach the lost. That's what we talked about. That's what John's telling us. I believe in my heart that He's setting the record so we'll understand that everything Jesus said came true. Everything that was prophesied is true. And so is everything in the Bible. We have to understand that. And we have to teach it. We have to go out and teach the world. Surely, and I, I just said this because this touched my heart when I thought about it last week. Surely, 11 disciples, 11 men go out, go out and change the world. Then how easy would it be for us to go out and change the world as one church? How easy would that for us to do? And John, God's church is bigger, a lot bigger than us. A lot bigger than us. There's a lot of, there's millions and millions of Christians out there that believe like we do. And we ought to go out there and do everything we can. With God's help, we will reach the lost and change this world. God said in His Word, He will outpour His Spirit in the last days. And I'm looking forward to that. I believe that with all my heart. The, the day the world does not believe, we are to witness and defend and teach uh, God's Word. So when I look at tonight's lesson, that's the way we ended last week. Uh, I just mentioned that the main thing was Jesus. And that main thing is what we need to keep in our heart and our mind. And it's what our objective is. Let's don't get caught up in all the things of the world. Because that's what the devil wants to do. The devil knows our weaknesses. He wants to get into our heart, get into our mind in those weak areas and destroy us and lead us down the path 
of no return to darkness, the path of darkness. So when I look at our study tonight, looking at the very first verse, 25, I started tonight with Peter stood warming himself and he was asked, um, are you one of the disciples? And he denied it the second time. I am not. This was his second one. At this moment, in reading the scriptures, even when you look at the other uh, uh, account of, of these events, of what they knew based on what Peter and, and John told them, uh, I believe testified and witnessed to what went on that night. I believe that, uh, and, and they tell, certain ones tell certain details of what happened that night, I'm noticing. And I, I mentioned that when I started in John, that each one of them has a, has a way of describing to help us understand. John has a way, I believe, of helping us, and so does Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John. But at that moment, based on just casually saying, I am not the second time, Peter still did not realize, he did not perceive yet, he did not understand, it didn't dawn on him how important it was what he just did. You know, we as humans, the same thing happens to us. As we go through our life and we're making mistakes, we're making decisions, we're making things without trusting God, without looking to God, without understanding what God is wanting us to do, we get off track. We don't think about what God's Word is. And, and that's what uh, uh, John is trying to tell us in his Word. We're not to forget what God has told us in His Word and in His prophecies. We are to keep our mind on His Word. That's why it's so important for us to have in our hearts, God's Word. There, there, there are scriptures that we need. Each one of us needs a different scripture, I'm beginning to believe. There are certain scriptures that penetrate our heart and stay with us and help us and guide us through life. We need God's Word. Peter moment still has not come when he understood when he said it the second time. He just casually said it. That's why we need the Holy Spirit guiding us every moment. That's why God give us the Holy Spirit. Because he knows in this old flesh, we're going to go down the wrong path. We're not going to realize when we're doing wrong. We're not going to understand when we're doing wrong. That's why we need the Holy Spirit every moment in our life. So there, Peter's standing by the fire. And, you know, I, I'm thinking about, he's, it's cold outside, but the fire is warming him up on the outside. But he's still, at this moment, denied God again. And he still is not warmed up in his heart. He's not in tune with God. Today, as Christians, we have to be very careful that our heart is in tune. It is warmed by the fire of the Holy Spirit. We need that warmth in our heart, that guidance in our heart. We need that to go forward and do His work and will. It is easy. It is very easy for us to stay in the flesh. It's a lot easy, very easy, unless we have the Holy Spirit. When we have the Holy Spirit guiding us, it is uh, very powerful. And when we look at it, it will guide us. It will lead us. And it will teach us when, to understand when God is trying to tell us something. So now let's move into the scene. Uh, the scene is changing a little bit. When I go to Matthew, the disciple Matthew says, in Matthew 26 and, and uh, 58, as for Peter now is leaving outside... And he's going into the courtroom and he's going in there to see the outcome. And he sits with the guards. Listen to what Matthew 26 and 58 said. As for Peter entered and sat down with the guards to see the outcome. So when Matthew heard what was going on, 
Uh, you know, to him, this was very important. That now Peter's inside and listening to what's going on. And he sat down. So Peter's now sitting and seeing what's going on. Listen as we go through. And then John 28 26, uh, as in our lesson tonight, one of the high priest's servants, a relative of, of the man whose ear people cut off. So he's sitting there with them now in the courtroom, uh, challenged him. Didn't I see you with, uh, with him or Jesus in the olive grove? And then, verse 27, as we read tonight, again, Peter denied him. The third denial. And then, the rooster crowed. In other words, as I've said before, God hit him upside the head. Jesus let him know. Listen what happened. When you go to Luke 22, 61 and 62. So, Luke Chapter 22, verses 61. In the moment that the rooster crowed, the Lord turned, Jesus turned, and looked straight at Peter in that courtroom. That's what Luke tells us. The moment the rooster crowed. And at that moment is when Peter, you know how I know we're going we're we're to put all the Gospels together here. At that moment, Peter remembered the word of the Lord has spoken to him about the rooster will crowing after you denied me three times. I think about sometimes how the Lord had to speak to us to remind us through the word. The word is what speaks to us. So the word, Jesus' word spoke to Peter. And at that moment, so Peter opened his heart when he heard that crow. It set uh, an event uh, in his mind to remember. That's why it's important for us to have the Word of God. It will let us, it will remind us when those things in our life confront us. It will help us understand what's going on. I think about that. As a sinner, the, the only way the sinner is going to be saved is through the Scriptures, through the Word of God, through testimony, through encouragement. You have to wonder, when you're reading this, I, I did think about this as I'm, I'm praying Wonder what, uh, you know, Peter saw in the eyes of Jesus. Remember, Jesus didn't spoke, speak. Jesus just looked at him. Now, I know Jesus Christ not only in my heart, but through His Word and everything about Him when you read His Word. There ain't no doubt in my mind there was no sadness or disappointment in Jesus' eyes when He looked at Peter. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You know what he saw? When, when Peter looked at Jesus, he saw love. He saw forgiveness. He saw the Jesus that tried to teach him and help him understand the wisdom that he would need, the kind of things that he would need to go forth and do his work and will. I believe it was love and forgiveness. And clearly, clearly, when that love is looked at you, when that forgiveness is looked at you, it will pierce your heart. It will touch your heart. That's why it's so important when we're out doing God's work and God's will, hallelujah, that we're showing love. We're showing forgiveness. We're doing what God was wanting us to do, and that person will accept through love and forgiveness. That's what pierced his heart. And before the rooster crowed, he remembered that he would deny him. Now look at Luke 22 and 62. Um, 
I didn't give them all these scriptures tonight, but you can go back and you can listen to this uh, Bible study again and you can and remember. And, but this is what Peter said. I mean, Luke said in, in uh, 22 and 62. Peter walked out of the courtyard crying bitterly. That's what he said. What is amazing is Peter, at this very moment, his moment of failure, a, a moment realizing he had, he had, you know, not listened to Jesus, was now closer than he'd ever been before with understanding who Jesus Christ really was. Think about that. He understood now through the love and through the forgiveness and also, you know, Peter's moment of failure helped him realize that, you know, he's starting to put it together and understand. Even though in one way he had a, a, a sense of, you maybe he didn't have much self-worth. He, he felt bad because of what he did. He had a moment that was very low. He finally realized his plans, his ways, his thoughts was not important. It wasn't the way Jesus wanted him to go. It was all about what Jesus was teaching him, what Jesus wanted for him. It was the love and forgiveness and all the things that Jesus... Peter realizes that at that moment, I believe Peter realized that he needed to surrender all. Just like when we're saved through salvation. When God saved us, we realize we have to surrender and ask God to forgive us for all those things in our life. And everything is about Jesus. Jesus was the one who truly loved him and the one that forgave him. The same for us. When we must surrender to Jesus, we must surrender all to Jesus. We will fail if we try to do it within ourselves. Peter failed Jesus three times that night, quite honestly, within a few hours. If you really think about the sequence of events, it wasn't like Peter had a year to forget or two years to forget. It was only an hour or two before, a couple hours before, which tells me Peter really didn't listen at the beginning. Think about it. We listen to the Word of God preached to us Sunday morning, Sunday nights, Wednesday nights. We listen to it on TV. We listen to it. But are we really hearing what God's trying to say to our heart? What God, hallelujah, really wants to say to us. There's work for us to be done. There's something we need to be out there doing for Jesus Christ. We need to be listening. His tears, Peter's tears were sincere as he repented. No doubt, in my mind, Peter was asking for forgiveness and asking God to forgive him. And this is what happens when you truly repent and bitterly weep and ask God to forgive you. And 2 Corinthians 7.10 says, For godly sorrow worketh repentance of salvation. So godly sorrow, when we really get our heart right, looking toward God, God will help us in understanding and He will forgive us for all things, all things. Although Peter had been a failure in many ways and made many mistakes, as we all do, Peter's rebirth, as I'm calling it, his new understanding, his now realizing the accepting who Jesus is and what he meant to Peter, really rebuilt Peter, 
It changed Peter. Just like salvation changed us. It makes us new. It gives us a new understanding. It gives us a new love in our heart. A new direction. A new way of going forward. That's what happened to Peter that night. And we can have that same sense if we only accept. And once we accept, a lot of us just accept and think that's it. Hallelujah, that ain't it. Acceptance of Him in salvation is only the beginning. A lot more has God got for us if we just give to Him our total self, our total heart, as Peter had to do. And Peter had a new identity. He was a new person. He was a new person built with confidence now and developed into... I think about what happened when Peter, Peter's sermon on the mount, remember what happened? Peter's sermon, what was it? 3,000 people saved, I believe it was. He was a new person. We can do as Peter... All we have to do is really weep for our mistakes and ask for forgiveness and be truly sorry for our mistakes. Or we can do, I got to tell you this side of it. I think God wants everybody to hear both sides. We can do like Judas did. In Matthew 27, 1 through 5, when Judas realized what he had done, his deep regrets in his mind and in his heart, he thought that his sin was so bad what he had done, they were unforgivable, that God would not forgive him. That's what he thought, I believe. Because listen to what in the scriptures it tells us, he tried to give the 30 pieces back. He tried to give the money back. They wouldn't take it. And he threw it down in the temple and ran out. Judas believed that there was something he did that was unforgivable. That was a lie of the devil. The, lie, the devil had already tricked him and lied to him and led him down the wrong path. But what did he do? He went out and hung himself. Y'all know this story. I think about the three years that Judas spent with Jesus. And he just did not believe and accept. Judas did not accept. Not only the teaching. Remember, Jesus didn't only teach. He lived his godly life as God's son, as he walked on this earth. He lived a godly life, blessing people, forgiving people, touching people, and doing all the things that made his father proud of him. He spent time with him, and he still did not believe. You know, people, I, the message, the reason I bring that up about Judas is, number one, all sins are forgiven. God, I have heard, I think some of you may have heard testimonies where uh, people, uh, I actually talked to someone where they said, you know, God won't forgive me. I've been really bad. I, I've done some really ugly stuff and God just won't forgive me. That is a lie. I love the devil. It's a trick. It's a trick to deceive and destroy. That is not true. Jesus will forgive him. Ju Judas could have been forgiven. All he had to do was cry bitterly and ask God and give his heart to God, but he didn't. He did not. You know, when we spend time with Jesus, we need to really realize who he is and how much he loves us. And we need to study his word and understand who he is. Now let's switch back to the courtroom where Calibus is setting a stage to uh, get ready to present Jesus. This, this is amazing. When you go back to Matthew 27 and 1. You know, I, I've, I've read all of these before, but putting it all together in my little head is just a wonderful thing. 
But in Matthew 27, 1, when the morning was coming, in other words, sun was rising, he called a meeting of all the chiefs and elders. That's what it tells us in Matthew 27, 1. When the morning has come, all the chief and police, uh, priests and elders of the people took counsel. In other words, they got together, consulted with each other to figure out how could they uh, trump up charges to get him uh, um, put to death. Uh, before they presented him to Pilate, the governor, they, they were discussing how to make sure he was put to death. He got the death penalty. Because what they had accused him of and what they basically convicted him of is said that he had claimed to be the Messiah and he was the Son of God. Well, the Roman uh, governor was not going to look at that as a death penalty. That's a religious thing. You guys need to take care of that. They knew that blaspheming wasn't enough. And so they strategized. So what they changed their uh, uh, strategy to, to charge, was from blaspheming, the Bible tells us, to rebellion and sedition which, against Rome. What that really means is treason. They're saying that Jesus is claiming to be king of all. And they also were claiming, when you read the scriptures, of Jesus was telling people not to pay their taxes. Oh no, you know that ain't going to work with the Roman Empire. Uh, so, so they were lying. They were trumping up charges, as you read in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and, and, and all the scriptures. So then when you get to verse 28, then the Jews led Jesus from Calipus, after they made their decision what the charges was, to the palace of the Roman governor. And by uh, this time it was early morning, and to avoid, as I read, this is our final verse, avoid, to avoid ceremonial uncleanliness, the Jews did not enter the palace. They wanted to be able to eat at the Passover. So they had some personal selfish reasons why they didn't want to go in there, because they certainly all night long had been going against all kinds of laws and rules and everything. So Calipus and his supporters were truly hypocrites. They were saying one thing, and doing another. They didn't want to go into the palace. Because Jews could not go where a Gentile was into their home without being unclean. So if they went in there, they would be considered unclean. So this meant they couldn't participate in the Passover celebration that coming that day if they couldn't do that. If, if they went in and, and got themselves, uh, you know, unclean. So, but remember, all these events, all night long, they were so anxious and so determined to get a conviction and crucifixion. And they were doing this because what was going on in the land, Jesus had touched many hearts of the Jewish hearts. He had said, many of them had been touched and believed him and trusted him and followed him. He fed 5,000 of them that were following him with the bread. You remember that day when, it, you know, five, uh, the bread and, and fish. So he had a great following. What well, these priests knew that if they didn't do something quickly and early at, before the Jewish people got up, I've read where some scholar, Bible scholars and, and historians saying that if those people had got up, they, had a, they may have rebelled or were, would have been against, against what they were doing. But instead, the people that were there wanted to get it done and get it done quickly. So, you know, they wanted to do it before they got any opposition. They thought maybe there may be opposition. So as I conclude the lesson tonight, when I look at Acts 2, 23 and 24, listen to what Peter wrote. Acts 22, I mean, I'm sorry, Acts 2, 23 and 24. Peter said, 
in his Pentecostal sermon. This man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge. We've talked about that word, the knowledge of God ahead of time. And you, it was all God's plan. And he's saying, Peter said in his message, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. Now, God's foreknowledge, we have to understand. God foreknew what everything was going to happen. It was all His plan. But it was not Him that led these people. It was their own free will. God knew their free will. He knew what they would do. He, you know, God sent His Son into the world to receive, to, to uh, be a, per, for a purpose and that was to die on the cross. But he already knew how it would all come together in his plan. You know what? In doing what they did, all evil men and evil men today are still of a free will, making decisions today to do what we do. God does not influence our free will. He blesses us, touches us, touches our heart if we'll open our hearts to Him. And then He will lead, it and lead us and guide us through the Holy Spirit. But those men made decisions. But God's foreknowledge. Remember, God has a foreknowledge of everything right on to the end of time. He knows every one of our lives, what we're going to do tomorrow and the next day and the next day if we don't have Jesus Christ in our life. Now, if we have Jesus Christ in our life, He knows what we're going to do also. He knows we're going to follow Him. Each participant fulfilled Father's plan. And in Romans 8, 28, and 39 say that each one of them followed exactly what their free will led them to do. And you know what? God's plan for us, the results was not only His birth, but His death, His resurrection, the cross that we can all go to and ask for forgiveness. God loved us that much to give His Son. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. Thank God for all of you. Would you stand up? For all of you that feel God's Holy Spirit, that has accepted Him, you understand what I'm saying tonight. I don't know how we could live in this world without God's Holy Spirit, without His love, and without His forgiveness. You know, wouldn't you wouldn't you just left to look into Jesus' eyes and, and just know how much He loves us and how much He forgives us? That's what he's standing right now on the throne doing to people every day. All we have to do is stand up and help lead and guide and teach the word. As John is teaching us to do uh, as a church, we have a lot of work to do, people. We have a lot of work to do. And that all has to do with sharing the word, sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. You've been watching the Pine Level Pentecostal in his church. Pine Level Pentecostal in his church is located on 112 East Blanche Street. We welcome you to come and join us in worship every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m., every Sunday night at 6 p.m., and every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Don't forget, if you can't join us in person, you can always join us via the Internet through the website at pinelevelphc.org. You can watch our services, check out upcoming events, and lots more there at the website. You can also check out our app, 
through Google Play or iOS App Store. Download the Pine Level Pentecostal Witness Church app. It's free to use, free to download. You can watch your services live or on demand. Check out other things about the church, even donate to the church through the link. If you have a Facebook account, go to facebook.com forward slash Pine Level PHC. Get notifications when we go live. Check out pictures and other upcoming events about our church. Just like our Facebook page, that's all you have to do. Also, YouTube is available for the YouTube subscribers. Search YouTube for Pine Level PH Church. Subscribe to our channel, get notifications when we go live, and you watch our services live or on demand. Don't forget, if you can't watch us, maybe you want to listen. Search for our podcast through your favorite podcast provider and listen to the services anywhere in the world. Don't forget about our new radio station. Go to our website or app for the quick link. And you can also just simply type in pinelevelphc.org forward slash radio. Radio stations playing good gospel music 24-7. Also, lots other programming is available for your enjoyment. So if you want to check that out, do so anytime and listen with friends around the world. For everyone here at the Pine Level Pentecostal Witness Church, I'm Joey Perry. We hope to see you soon here at the Pine Level Pentecostal Witness Church.